Welcome back to the Sipping Feast podcast, episode number 38. Are food delivery services ruining America? That is a good title, Tara. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, guess what? I didn't come up with that title. Well, I did I did come up with a title, but I didn't really come up with the idea of this episode, though it's been in my head for a long time. I know we've probably have bantered about this a few times for maybe maybe a few minutes in a couple episodes, would you say? Yeah. Well, we just talked about it in the Super Bowl episode, Super Bowl food episode, where we talked about why you're better off making your Super Bowl food at home, right? Yeah. And part of the reason was the food delivery services. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to go out right from the beginning. I want to just lay, I'm gonna just going to lay the stakes down here. I don't like these companies and what they've done to America. I'm biased, you would say. I'm not going into this with an open mind, you would say. But a lot of my bias, you know, my issues come from the times that I've used these companies. Yeah, they're so from your personal experience. It's my personal experience. It's my own. I own it. And uh, you might have a different experience. I am. I And we are going to go over that. We're going to go over some of the cases where... Um, there are some positives to these companies. So before we go into the meat of this, like the actual details of it, I just want to give you my personal story. And I know I've told this story before, and it was probably on an early episode, probably within the first 10 episodes of this podcast. So there's a good chance that you haven't heard it. Tara was out. She was with Sammy. It was just James and myself, and we were going to get food now, Sammy has a peanut allergy, so there's certain foods that we never order when she's here, and Thai food is one of them, because Thai uses a lot of peanuts. I know you can ask the places to, you know, you can tell them peanut allergy, but, you, you know, if, if, you do have, if you do have a loved one with a peanut allergy, or if you have one yourself, you're, you're probably a little scared to do that, because it is a serious thing. Whenever James, it's just James, <laughs> he's always like, Dad, let's get Thai food, so... I was like, all right, let me go to DoorDash or Uber Eats or Postmates or whoever I went to. I don't know which company I used, but they're all the same with like their markups and whatnot. And I went there because the the comp the the place we were ordering from to give you an option to use any any of the four or five that you wanted to, and the price was coming out the same. So the food was we got like three or four dishes um, and maybe an appetizer. So we, we you know we were going all out that night and. Maybe it was a little less. It was about $60 of food, okay? It turned into, with the delivery service and everything and the charge, and, you know, you got to give a tip here. You can't not give a tip because that's all the drivers make is just a tip. The drivers need to be taken care of. They won't pick up your food if you don't give them a good tip. It all came out to about $95, I believe. Now, this just before I go further here, does that sound about right, Tara? Would that is typically about sixty dollars worth of food with a tip? A good tip would turn out to be about ninety to ninety-five, right? Yeah, because there's usually like, I don't know, a, if I was ordering something for that amount, there's usually like a twelve-dollar delivery fee, and then on top of that, you have to give the tip too. So the delivery fee, I read. Now, I think this is kind of where the diff the price could be a little bit different. I think one company, and I don't know if it's DoorDash or not, they charge that fee based off of the taxes too, okay. and, and the included tips. So, but, it, so it increases it even more. But it's not just 
so it's the delivery fee, it's the tip, but when you're ordering through one of those companies, the items the menu menu are more expensive. Yeah, and we're gonna go into this more later. So all of those things add up to $60 worth of food becoming what it was for, for me, 95. I had it all in the cart, and I just got fed up, and I just said, and, and listen, you know, between between us here, I have the means to be able to pay for this, okay? I have the means to be able to pay for this. It's not going to make or break us, but it's kind of a principle thing. So, uh, you know, I'm healthy. I, I have a driver's license. I, I can go get the food myself. So what, what I did was I was like, you know what? I'm not even using this place. So there's a better restaurant that is close to that one, a couple miles further away, and they don't accept any of these services. I mean, they don't even accept a credit card, so you just have to use cash. And and I know if this story sounds familiar to you, well, you heard it already, okay? Um, so anyway, I ordered from that place. I said, James, we're taking a ride, get in the car, we're gonna go get it, we got it. Make a long story short, we got more food for probably, then the $95 the delivery would have been, we got it for about 50, okay, or 55. So yeah, that's basically my story uh, on this. Maybe you've had a similar story too. Uh, Tara, what say you about this? I don't think I feel as passionately as you do about the topic. I tend to be a little bit more of an easier going person than you. Um, But at the same time, you know, I haven't had the best experiences with, with some of these services as of late, but I can also see the other side and I can see why there is a need. So I'm somewhere in the middle. Okay, good. I I'm mean, that, Switzerland. I think that's a that's a good way to set it up. You know, she's not as strong, doesn't feel as strongly as I do. I, I will say simply that I think she's wrong about people's feelings though about this because this was, and I'll read this to you. This was- What in, did I say about people's feelings? Um, Basically that it's not that big of a deal or it's not that strong of a thing. I didn't say people. I was just talk, expressing my own opinion. She's just expressing her own yeah, opinion. So, so, so there's people so like you- So my opinion isn't wrong. Yeah. How can my opinion be wrong? Opinions can never be wrong. Okay. Opinions can never be wrong. <laughs> unless they're mine, they're always right, you know, but um, no, I, look- I get it. A lot of people, you might be like, Jim, I don't give a I don't give a crap at all about this. These these services help me out. I use them and you know, I get it. So I just I'm gonna go right here with the Reddit post. So again, the impetus for this, the inspiration is the better word for this, came from this Reddit post. Now, I'm just gonna give you some really quick background because you might be like, Jim, I don't know what Reddit is. Reddit is a social media platform. It's not really social media. Think of it more of like a message board from like the late 90s, early 2000s, that has been um, maybe improved somewhat. It's a very popular platform with, I would say, Gen Z and millennials, though there's plenty of older people that are on this platform too. They're actually going to go public in a few months. So you will hear more about this company. And they're kind of, it's kind of an answer to, um, it's more of a simplified platform, you know, than, than other ones. Anyway, I'm on there a lot. I've joked in the past that there's a lot of bad information on Reddit. There's also a lot of good information. Now, the way Reddit works is there's upvotes and downvotes. So in theory, the better information will be upvoted to the top and the worse information will be downvoted. Okay, that's how it works. So this post came from a subreddit. So it's like, a think of it as like, like a message board place. This one is called Unpopular Opinion. So this has four million, 4.2 million members in this. So that means a lot of people post in this thing and a lot of people like to read. I'm just a reader on Reddit. I don't really post anything. 
Um, this came from, the person's name was not underscore the underscore droids underscore one. You'll see a lot of people's usernames are like that on Reddit. So his unpopular opinion was DoorDash and other food delivery services, Grubhub, Uber Eats, etc., are a total loss and disadvantage to everyone involved. These companies simultaneously manage to be bad for customers, restaurants, workers, and shareholders. This is his opinion. I am reading it exactly from the post. And that's why I am giving, I want to give him credit. I am link, I'm going to link where this post comes from. First, customers. Okay, this is his first point. Users of these services are disadvantaged because they pay ridiculously marked up prices for shit tier food. Even with these high prices, every day there are more horror stories about unvetted delivery drivers eating food or otherwise contaminating deliveries. And if your food arrives untainted, it will likely be cold and late. Next point, restaurants are disadvantaged because they have to pay this virtual middleman a substantial cut of the revenues from food sales, not to mention the bad optics on the restaurant when food arrives in poor condition. Restaurants are in a bind, though, because they have to play DoorDash's game or miss out on a large number of customers that don't look beyond the DoorDash scrolling menu. Next point. Drivers are disadvantaged because they get paid terrible wages to do tedious work when factoring in expenses and wear and tear on their cars, which are typically their only form of transportation. DoorDash is a terrible deal for drivers. Lastly, the shareholders in these companies are disadvantaged. DoorDash and Uber both hemorrhage hundreds of millions of dollars every quarter and do not have a viable path to sustained profitability. These companies have never been profitable and have just been alive kept alive by external capital investment, as opposed to revenues and profits. Both of these companies have lost billions in shareholder value on the false promise of being the next Amazon, etc. Everyone would be happier if these companies did not exist. If we all just drove to pick up our food, we in the restaurant would save money and eat better quality food. This is by definition an unpopular opinion, given that DoorDash has 25 million active users, Uber Eats has 81 million active users. Those are the four points he made, okay? Tara, let's discuss. We are not going to be able to be all exhaustive here. I think this guy makes some really good points. Now, there were thousands of comments here on his post, and many of them vehemently disagreed with him. Tara, what do you think? You want to t- tackle any of his points? You want to go? want to tackle the customer, the restaurants, the drivers, or the shareholders? Those are the four parties that he point, you know, people that he is saying, you know, groups are being ruined or they're losers in the situation. So I think we can touch on all of them, but I think the only one area in which we have expertise, right? We are not restaurant owners. We are not shareholders and we are not employees of any of these companies. The only point of view we can truly speak from is the customer point of view. I mean, yeah, but I think we can give shed a little light on the other stuff too. We can. I, I, I mean, I know restaurant yeah. owners yeah. who- I know restaurant owners not, who have had problems who specifically. Who using these services. Yeah. In fact, I don't who, know any restaurant owner who has had a good yeah, experience or with Or who them. strongly oppose. But let's, why don't we start with the customer point of view since that's the one we can speak most authoritatively from. All right, so Tara, you want to talk about it from the customer perspective. I get that. So- Let's do that. All right. Let's uh, let, let's actually talk about the positives from the customer perspective. 
Jim, I think maybe the place to start is to talk about some of the use cases of customers. Um, the first one that comes to my mind, and this was really, I guess, my first introduction to using these services, which I will say was a positive one, okay. was when Good. I- Good. I'm, I'm glad you're sharing this. I want people to not think that like, um, like that I have it out for this. I, yeah. I would like to discuss yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. So when I worked, I worked for many years in Manhattan and Brooklyn, um, and during that time, these- well, I think these businesses existed. They didn't exist, you know, as no, prolifically yeah, they, yeah. as they as they do now. So we never really, if we ordered food from any place, we would just pick it up ourselves. But when we returned from Minnesota in 2018 and I was working in Jersey City, whenever we wanted to order something for lunch, we would use, I think it was Seamless was the Seamless one. Seamless was the first one. Seamless yeah. came around uh, 1999. Yeah. So for anybody who's ever held a job in financial services, you know that you don't get lunch breaks. I mean, legally, you can take a lunch break, but culturally, no one takes lunch breaks. So it's unrealistic to think that you can leave the office and go get food and sit down and eat. It really is much easier for you to have food delivered to the office. So that's what myself and, and one coworker in particular, we, we liked a lot of the same food. So often we would use Seamless and, and have food delivered to us. And it was a positive experience. I We were willing to always you know pay the little bit extra for the delivery fee and, and the tip, of course. Um, and we were able to get some really good food while we stayed at our desk and worked and, and ate our lunch. So I see that as a really po like a, a positive okay. a pro of the delivery services. There's got to be some more too. Yeah, of course. I mean, think about it. If you're a single parent or even just a parent whose spouse is, is still at work and you're alone and you, you're nursing one baby and you've got, you know, a toddler running around and you're hungry it's hard for you to to sometimes cook when when you've got multiple kids, um, and you don't want to just order. Prior to these, was just pizza. It was pizza and Chinese. or Chinese, really, and and that's so, if you lived kind of where we do. Yeah. Maybe other states had even less choices. Yeah. yeah, so maybe you want to order something like Panera or I don't know some other type of of food, and and you that's use the service too. to to do it, and it brings it right to you. And yeah, it's it's worth it to you. To pay the extra fee, people with people with disabilities. I mean, it's it, it's hard. You know, I, I I actually do know people who are wheelchair bound who who do have cars that that they can drive, and and actually some of them do like to go out and and get their pick up their food. But you know, folks who are who are legally blind and and can't drive a car, it's easier for them to maybe have the food delivered to them. Um, that's true. Yeah, people in an urban environment, right? People who are, you, you live in an apartment, you don't have a car, you rely on the subway, or you rely on taxi service or, but the, or whatever. Though, okay, so just push back on the urban environment. So, you know, the city prior to, now, again, Seamless, even though it technically started in 1999, it wasn't, you know, I mean, even in 2005, people really weren't using it too much. It was mostly just, 
you know, the crazy bike riders, you know, just shuttling everything back and forth. Yeah. And those were just basically in-house delivery people. Yeah. So it got done in the city without these companies. Yeah, it did. But I think these companies have made it a little bit easier for you. If you want something that's outside of your delivery zone, maybe. Yes. Like if you're if you're craving something that's in like lower Manhattan and you live on the Upper East Side, a local uh, the in-house delivery service wasn't going to bring it to you. No, I mean it's but, been yeah, it's been taken like yeah, crazy. Like yeah, but you know something like one of these delivery services will bring it to you. They'll just charge you more for it. So I don't know. I I feel like those are some of, and I'm sure there's a lot more. Dis- disability, cases. disability, blind, all that. I think is that's that's a really it's hard to argue against that that part. Yeah, that's hard to argue against. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Th- those those are my those are my thoughts on the positive use cases. Yeah, I mean, I I think so too. And we'll just run. Like, I just want to run back through some of these criticisms that he had before we get into just more of our own stuff. Um, the customers, all right, they're, they're disadvantaged, ridiculous prices, uh, horror stories about people eating food. And yeah, I mean, everybody knows, everybody has a story about this. We have a, we have a few instances where we think it happened to us. I, in fact, I don't know anybody who's ordered from these places more than 10 times that hasn't had had this this issue because there's a lot of the problem I think stems from these aren't technically employees. Now I can't speak for all the companies, but most of them are the workers, workers, if you want to call them workers, they're more they're contractors. They're not an employee of the company. They don't get health insurance. They don't have as much of a code of conduct. Okay. They can get a job, I guess a contract right away and they can go steal someone's food right away, and then they'll get blacklisted by by the driver's, the delivery service. But then they can just go to another one, so they, they can essentially get food a, f- a few times for free. I think this happens a lot. I think there's a lot of fraud here. There's a lot of, a lot of the problem I've read, and we haven't experienced this because I guess because we've given a large enough tip, but, and there's a lot of articles, if you Google it right now, they're, they're, they came up immediately when I was doing the research of, people kind of being extorted almost by the drivers where the drivers will pick up the food and then if the tip isn't high enough, they'll message them. Now, I've never had this happen, but is there correspondence back and, can there be correspondence yes. back and forth between yeah. the driver? So I get, I'll get a text message and I'll say, I, I left, I'm on my way or I left the food at the door or things like that. You do get yeah. messaged. So they're trying to, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I've never heard of it. I don't know anyone what that do that's we happened tip? to. Like, do you know what we normally tip? Like 20%, yeah, which so. I feel like 20% is usually a tip that you give in a restaurant, 20, 25%. It's not usually something that you'd give someone who's just delivering the food. Well, but there it's, you know, the, the person who's delivering the food They're again, they're putting all that wear and tear on their car. This yeah. is a really bad deal for a driver. And I, 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 I would imagine maybe you are a driver or you've been a driver. Maybe you've been in a situation where this is a type of work that you had to do. I get that there's reasons for this type of work. You know, maybe your kids are at school for only six hours during a day. Maybe they're like not even in elementary school yet. Maybe you just need to pick up a little bit of extra work and working for full time, you know, that's just, it's not a possibility. I, I get the use case for these driving services, whether it's just Uber, 
driving people back and forth to a place, airport, et cetera, you know, or, or to food here. I, I, I get it. I think the bigger problem here is not even these companies. I think it's, and this again is, I, this is not including folks with disabilities. It's not including the, those use cases I named, like the, the parents who just can't leave because of their kids, or maybe their kids are sick and they can't leave. Yeah. All of that. It's that we, as people, we've become accustomed to having instant gratification. And I think that's really where the root of the problem is. Like, I will give you my own personal example. I'm going to talk about my ice, my ice cream delivery situation. Okay. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very aware of Tara's ice cream situation. Yeah. So, you know, before these, (laughs) before these services existed, if you wanted, if you wanted to get ice cream that was not in your freezer, you'd have to get off your butt and go in your car or ride your bike or walk to the ice cream shop and get it yourself and then bring it back and eat it. Um, There is an ice cream place that is not really nearby. It's about a 20 minute drive from where we live. It's my favorite ice cream place on Long Island. Don't mention names. I'm not going to mention the name, but it's really good. They have very unique flavors um, I trust them with regards to Sammy's peanut allergy because they do, according to them, they keep things separate. Yeah. So all in all, it's a great place. It's a small place. It's, you know, it's run by like a dad. I think his daughter works there. It's all in all a good place. It's just far and it's very congested where it's located and the parking situation really stinks. Mm. So for me, I don't really want to go there. Yeah. I want their ice cream. I want to give them business, but I don't want to go there and get it myself. So what I do every now and then when I'm craving it is I will order it. Every now and, and then, like and every week. That's not true. That's I'm not true. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I haven't ordered it since no. before Christmas no. and it's February 13th. You are right. So for like a few times I did use one of the bigger delivery services to order. And when I would, the ice cream place would place a little card that they had written up inside the bag with the ice cream that's stapled closed. And it has like a big X through the different, (laughs) it has like X through Lyft, X through Uber, X through whatever, because they don't want you to use those services. They'd rather you order directly from them and they have a delivery service that they use. And you st- you're still paying a delivery fee, but I guess they have a better deal worked out with this Yeah. With this service. Middle, with this middleman. Yeah. Which is what it is. It's yeah. a middleman. Yeah. But I'm saying all of this because I should just get off my butt and suck it up and go and and deal with like the traffic and this and the crappy parking lot and just get the ice cream myself. Or go to 7-Eleven, which is a minute away. Or CVS and just pick up Ben and Jerry's from them. Yeah, but sometimes I want, you know, their Lavender Sky ice cream that they have. Or sometimes <laughs> I want their kulfi. Or the flavors that they have, like I said, are very new, unique. So that gets into it, though, about how, yeah, you want, like, it's that desire. So I think it's the instant gratification society we live in that allows 
them to do so well. Yeah. The delivery services. Yeah, it's, it's the instant gratification. And that's essentially, if you take that, you know, think about it, why, what's the most popular social media platform? It's TikTok. And that's because you get instant gratification every time you do a swipe. And, you know, one person could be on TikTok for 10 minutes and they might have swiped through 200 different videos mm -hmm. because it's all about that first quarter second. You either grab the person, you know, you get the dopamine hit or you don't, and then you move on. So that's probably ties into why people will do the delivery, you know, knowing you're paying so much more for it. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the restaurants uh, situation. So that's one of his points too. The restaurants are disadvantaged. Yeah, so yeah. the one I just mentioned, they actively tell their their customers who are using these delivery services, please don't use it. Yeah. I do know another local place who they were using it and they said that the the company tried to dictate to them what they should be charging, not just charging for um, orders that are going through, through the delivery service, but charging in general, even to their walk-in customers who were going in there. This, The delivery company was trying to tell them what they should be charging. I've and they didn't that. they didn't want anything to do with it, so they stopped having the delivery service. And now they're using some new local delivery service that just popped up that I think is just covering the Stony Brook Setauket area. Yeah. Yeah. Zippy. Zippy, yeah. You know, along these lines, I, I'm trying to find the article. I found it last time because I did mention this in the past again. You're probably like, Jim, you, this is all you talk about. But it's not, you know. Anyway, Ruth Chris's new CEO, they've been saying, or existing CEO, I'm not positive. I couldn't I couldn't pull it up. Anyway, they're going to exit. They're not going to do, do business with these companies either anymore. It, it's, I, I think, and part of what he said, and again, I'm paraphrasing, is the customer doesn't take their wrath out on the delivery services. They associate the price, higher prices mm -hmm. with the restaurant itself. And that is 100% not the case. A lot of times the prices are dictated by the delivery service. Yeah. They tell people, you know, they get a salesperson in there. They, they tell them, okay, it needs to be listed here. This is what this is gonna be listed. And then the restaurant owner, Again, I, I, I know this because we know people, um, they're in a bind because they're being told by the salesperson the whole time, if you don't do this, well, your competitor down the street does offer this, and then all of your, you're going to lose all those customers to the competitor that does have all the options for delivery. It's a tough, tough situation. We're jumping around here a lot, but you know, as far as, let's stick to the restaurant theme. One of my biggest issues with the restaurant th doing this is that most people, when they order delivery service from a restaurant, they're not going to want it during off hours. So they're going to want their dinner made for them during dinner hours for the delivery service. So how do these restaurants cope with this? Do they have like, they have like a whole bench ready to go, like a lot more people you know, say you're a restaurant and, you know, you're a restaurant, say you have 200 seats, you know, in your place and, you know, like whatever amount of covers you have. And you basically know what your staff from, from your hostess to your waiters, to your bartender, to all of your kitchen staff, dishwashers, everybody, you know what they're capable of handling. Now, you might get a rush of another 200 items 
how do you cope with that? Yeah. So in the past, you were limited to the amount of seats that were filled in the restaurant. And that was what dictated the activity in the kitchen. But with this, it's almost like- It's an unknown too. It's unknown. I I don't think it's infinite. Like I don't think- Well, they can- I'm I heard sure the app allows them to throttle. Yeah. Or yeah. I'm sure the app, and again, I don't know, I'm guessing, but I would- I would guess that the app is probably adjusting the wait time or delivery time based on the amount of orders coming in. So you might see, oh, it's going to, it'll be here in, you know, 30 to 45 minutes. But if there's like a big dinner rush, maybe you, you see 75 minutes or yeah. something, something like that. Yeah, but I, I don't know. There's a lot involved there. There's a lot involved. I mean, I, it's, it's kind of crazy what they got. And again, from my limited understanding of, like, because I don't know enough about my friend who owns a restaurant. I don't know how much they're doing of this. I should have had we him on. We should have had him on to, to talk about I this. really should have. And, you know, maybe we'll bring him on. I don't know how much it's affecting them, but I've read some articles that restaurants, staff, kitchen staff are extremely, let's put this in the nicest way possible, extremely pissed off with the restaurant owners because- they're getting bombarded with these orders and the restaurant owners are telling them to take care of the delivery service orders above and beyond the customers because they're more profitable. Hmm. Think about it. You know, you don't have somebody taking up a seat for two and a half hours. So not only is it a negative experience for the customers who are ordering the food because they're paying more money and they're potentially getting food that's been partially gnawed on or... <laughs> Cold. Oh man, somebody took a, but, take a bite of your steak. But it's a bad experience or it degrades the experience of the dine-in customer because these mobile customers are getting priority. It's, is it's that so, like a fair statement? Yeah, that's what, that's, that's what it is. It's just, it seems that it's all just, it benefits one, again, this person, this isn't an unpopular opinion. He's right. It 90% of the time, this benefits the delivery service companies. Mm -hmm. I, so, I mean, these restaurants, a lot of them were forced into this over the last three or four years. They had to, or they were going to go out of business. You know, they got loans from the government to keep them afloat, but- you know, for a long period of time, they were only allowed to have half of normal capacity in their restaurant. They had to have these orders going on in order to survive. And now there's a certain contingent of people that have gotten used to, I guess, ordering a whole steak dinner and get, having it delivered to you, which again, it's not going to be good because the steak, steak needs to be like sizzling and coming out immediately. It's, I couldn't think of anything worse than dropping $130 on steak for two and then getting it delivered to me 90 minutes later. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally wouldn't order a steak dinner through a delivery service, but I'm sure that there are people the Ruth's who, Chris CEO who was do saying it. They're doing away yeah. with it, but they obviously had a lot of business yeah. there. I, I I think that's a little yeah, a little odd. We want to we want to push ahead here. I'm, I'm not really going to go into the shareholders. I did look up it, it, this person is correct. They've never had a profitable quarter in, in their life. Their actual market cap is still $46 billion. So they are worth an insane amount of money. I mean, they could literally probably, you would think that they could invest, put their money, they have so much capital into something that actually would turn a profit. But this is kind of the venture capital model for a lot of these companies. A lot of these companies in Silicon Valley, 
They're like brought, they're started in like Harvard, Princeton, whatever, MBA projects. And then they're like, they're being told by the VC people the whole time, don't worry about profitability, just, just grow, just grow. Again, like this person said, it's the Amazon model. Eventually, if you get scale, then you can basically force all your competition out. Kind of the Amazon way was like, we'll keep not making money until no mom and pop is left. And then when that happens, then we could finally actually make money and increase the profits. That is what Amazon did. I mean, not 100%. Amazon makes a ton of money from their AWS services, which is their hosting service. But again, there's probably some type of model here for this. In the end, you would think they're make, they would have to make some money considering how much more cost a consumer, but it doesn't. They're still not profitable. Yeah. We can't really give too much more info on this. I'm sure a bunch of Wall Street analysts have spoken about it. So I think what it really comes down to, because I'm trying to think like how, what do we do about this? I don't know if there's anything that, that we do as consumers other than maybe avoid using these services because it's not a good customer experience. Get out and, and go get your food if you have the means to do so, because it's better for your local restaurant owners and business owners. It helps them by you going and, and getting the food yourself. Make your food at home, which is, again, yeah, that ties into what we it, do. It, Make it, your food it at home. It ties into what we do. I mean, we're not perfect. We don't we don't make food every single night, but we do try and encourage that. We see that as, you know something that's a little bit, it's not only healthier for you to make your own food, but it's a better experience. You have more control over the outcome. Yeah, There's bonding experiences involved with, you know, with, with being with your family. Um, but I think when you're, when you're looking about like when you, when you're thinking about this, it can sometimes come down to like, how much is your time worth? Yeah. And so that's, that's going to lead us and segue us into Another comment from one of the people in this thread, and I had to read. Again, I I did a lot of reading of it because I found the comments very interesting. And I would say there was probably probably more upvotes for the person's unpopular opinion that everybody's a loser here. But there were plenty of pushback there, too. And this one pushback was from this individual. His name is Thrax Amundor. So... T-H-R-A-X-I-M-U-N-D-A-U-R. This guy's like a pro Redditor. He had like 60,000 karma or something, which is like insane. So that means he's like on the platform a lot um, and people respect his opinions. So he said, I value my time very reasonably at $100 an hour. When I order on Food Panda, for example, today I ordered Domino's Pizza twice. I'm going to legit effing price comparison right now. Well, that's weird that he ordered two times from Domino's. It's, it's a little, I'm a little, I'm a little sus right now, you know? Okay, I'm gonna continue to read. Um, Food Panda delivered versus curbside pickup from dominospizza.com cost me an additional $1.49. I just checked my receipt and checked the price on the website. A taxi to and from Domino's to pick up the pizza would cost me $6.57. Not to mention my in time. Or what? Are we going to put in the cost of me buying a car and parking space? Hmm. Because that would be way effing worse. Delivery services are the future for anyone with money or real career. If you work minimum wage, then presumably paying someone else the same minimum wage to pick up your food 
for you may not be financially prudent. That's a strong opinion by Thraxamunder, okay? Again, I think he would have more credibility if he didn't order Domino's two times in one day. <laughs> I just, I just, I like, gonna I just say, I'm has... just picturing that. Like, <laughs> that's, I, you know, listen, Thrax, if you're if you're if you're listening, if you're if you're, if you're watching this, I'm not coming at you, okay? But I am a little bit. I mean, come on, you couldn't order a different place like the other time. <laughs> like, I'm like, I think he was trying to do like an apples to apples comparison. Yeah. Right. Well, no, he ordered it twice in one day. Yeah, but from two different services. Yeah. So he was. Maybe trying to do some field research. I don't know. <laughs> this was the next person goes, bro, he lost $50 writing this comment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it took him, what, 30 minutes to write that? I'm guilty of this too. I do this often. And I mean, I do this more than I've ever done in my life because of what we do now. And our time seems to like just poof goes away every day. And we're like, oh, we didn't do this, this and that. So I get it. I do get it. I, you know, I, I mean, look, if you're a professional and you're good at one thing, you probably shouldn't be like on, on an extension ladder, like replacing that shingle on your house. It's not smart. Mm -hmm. Maybe he, maybe he's really like a pro and he shouldn't be picking up his dominoes. I get it. This next person said pretty soon, this, this is the funniest comedy. He said, pretty soon you're going to find a way to justify paying someone to wipe your butt for you as well. A fool and his money is soon parted. You drank the multinational corporation's Kool-Aid about how small amounts of your time are worth a dollar. They aren't, pal. You've been tricked into giving your hard-earned money to yet another faceless corporate company that exists only to be a financial parasite on the members of the middle and lower class who are not smart enough to know when they're being taken for a ride. I think most people know, like, what they're doing, you know? What do you say? Yeah, I mean, I, I struggle with the whole thing. Like my time is worth X amount of money because, all right, so we're, we work for ourselves. We're self-employed. Our, our time is directly correlated with our income. Yeah. But I will say that your time shouldn't just have a dollar value. It should have a quality value. So for example, if I am, let's say I'm home and it's dinner time, and we decide to to order from one of these delivery services. Um, I'll put the order in, and then I'll just go sit at my desk and continue to do work. As opposed to, if I do go and pick up food, Sammy will often want to come with me, and then I get to spend some time that's not work with my kid in the car talking about her day at school or listening to music or talking about anything and bonding. So I struggle with the whole, my time is worth dollars. I don't see my time in dollar signs. I see it in some, I do see it sometimes with dollar signs, but I also see it with, with quality and what you're doing with your time. Does I, that make sense? It makes, it makes complete sense to me. I mean, I think he said it well. Okay. Yeah, I, I do. I think she really did hit, Hit the nail on the head here. You know, again, I, you know, we could just keep talking about it. I do, I, I do fall prey to that, you know, with the time thing. Uh, I, I think we all kind of do now when we've, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay. So in our shower, there's, um, it's the old style, uh, hot and cold. And then, you know, where the water comes out and basically in there, the way you tighten these valves, they're almost like designed to break. It's like a little rubber gasket. And, you know, 
I can go get that part, open it up, open it up. You know, like it's like a little Allen key, take it out, replace it, and then it's going to break a year from now. Or I could hire a plumber to fix the problem for good where they put in a whole new, a whole new system. You know, then they put a cover plate on there. So if you have tile, it's fine. I can do that job myself. You know, I can solder pipes. I can turn off the water in the main in our house and do it. Do I want to spend a day and a half doing what a plumber could do in 40 minutes? I don't know. You know, even though he might charge $700 to do it in a day and a half, you know, that's the thing. That's kind of the calculus you got here. So I guess for food, you know, if, 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 if you're doing really well and you think you can do it, then go for it. I, 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 you know, again, I don't know if this is an elitist attitude, but yeah, it is kind of hurting the, the lower end more, I would say, you know, Tara, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I mean, are they, who's ordering more of this stuff? That's, that's, I think that might be the better question. Who is hurting themselves more financially with this? You know, those really wealthy people might, you know, they might have a personal assistant that could just go pick the stuff up for them. That's true. I don't know. This is this is a tough one. It really is. I just feel that there's a better way here. And maybe that better way is what Tara said with the ice cream place. Uh, use that better service. We have noticed that a lot of places are including that now. Mm-hmm. That's true. And it's always it's always interesting when I find a place that just won't do business with them, which I kind of find is growing now, too. Yeah. Again, you, I don't know if you got anything out of this or if just like you just if you feel good or bad about this. I, I think the ultimate conclusion here is make your own food more often. Or if you have something that you can't make, maybe just suck it up, go for a ride, do something, listen to music, listen to a podcast, do something while you're either driving to pick it up or riding the subway. Maybe there, maybe there is some some good to having some some downtime. Downtime is a good thing, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. All right, we're gonna go into questions now. The first question is from Elia or Elia. Elia, she just became a Patreon producer. Oh. Yeah. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Elia or Elia. Uh, you can you can message me and let me know the pronou- proper pronunciation of your name. I actually had a person live down the street from me uh, who I used to skateboard with as a kid who I believe his name was spelled the same way, but it could have been spelled with an I. Oh, so is Elia, do you know if Elia is? That's, I don't know. That's oh. the thing. I don't That's know. That's true. Okay, so Elia, we're yeah. sorry if we're mispronouncing your name and yeah. saying you're a woman instead of a man. This is the question. I am around the corner from an authentic Italian bakery and overwhelmed when I walk in the door. What are your must-have cookies or treats? I love a coffee cake or anything with pastry cream. This is specific to Italian bakery. Okay, so you love, with pastry cream, we're actually going to make, they'll be around now too in the bakeries, the San Giuseppe Zeppoli. Yes. Okay, is it, do they have a different name or is that, uh, that's it? That's no, the you're name. right. It's, yeah, Ze- Zeppoli de San Giuseppe. But Zeppoli it's de also San known Giuseppe. As, it's also known as like a St. Joseph's pastry. St. Joseph's pastry. So yep. what this is, is it's basically an elaborate cream puff that is, instead like a typical cream puff will be just a regular dough. Pate-chou. 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 And it will be filled with 
typically a custard. They're supposed to be the cheap, uh, the not cheap. The quicker way, easier way is just to fill them with whipped cream, which they're nowhere near as good that way. You want to fill them with the uh, the pastry cream, mm-hmm. but the San Giuseppe one, like kind of like kicks it up a notch, as Emerald used to say. They pipe the dough, okay, and so they look beautiful. We're going to make them. We're going to put them on the site. And then what you do is you can do it one of two ways. You can make a hole in them and you can pipe it in there or you can cut them flat and put your pastry cream in there. And pastry cream is similar to like a zabayone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, similar. And then it gets a cherry on top and powdered sugar. So that's a great one. They'll be available now. It's what you said. You like the pastry cream. I mean, you didn't say the pastry cream, but I am always a sucker for a good cannoli. You know, and then Tara, the one I can never pronounce. Svoyadel. Yes. Svoyatele. Tell That's... her what else is worth. Like, I can't think of anything better for me than From an those... Italian bakery? Yeah. For me, absolutely, the Svoyatele is my favorite Italian pastry that you can get in the U.S. Very hard to make. Now, my favorite Italian pastry, period, which I can't find here, at least ones that, that's not that good, um, is in Italy. It's called a cornetto. It looks like a croissant. It's filled with um, chocolate or sometimes Nutella. Mm. Okay. It's usually eaten for breakfast. Like you'd have a cornetto and you'd have a cappuccino for breakfast. So you got those in Sicily? Yes. It's weird that they're not here because all the bakeries pretty much are have all they, those pastries. They do not have cornetto here. Not at least that I found. The... Italian specialty store, Uncle Giuseppe's, sells packaged cornetti, not anywhere near as good. I would never even, I tried it once and I was like, this is not even good. You, you know what? I, I I feel like I'll just do my Uncle Giuseppe's rant again. It, all right. We get a lot of stuff from there. The places, there's like seven of them in Long Island. They're an Italian supermarket. They have everything. There's people, I've had multiple people message me from Italy, okay? Like, who live in Italy. And they told me when I, when I, I used to take video of this place, they would be like, where the heck are you? They're like, you have more ingredients there than any place in Italy, except for Rome. And we, which actually checks out because most of the time it's like just the, what's, what's exclusive to that, to that area, area. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I was showing them one time the dessert section and they had like, what are those little crackers? They're like Northern Italy. Like I, Tirali? Um, no, they're like um, they're they're like sweets. They would come in all. They're like little cubes. They come in all different flavors. They're like a wafer, and then oh, they have oh yeah, um, Quadratini is the one of the yeah. brands. It's like it is a wafer, yeah, but they have different flavors. Yeah, yeah. So I was in that aisle. I was showing that, and they had like ten flavors of the Quadratini, and then they had all the other stuff. And yeah, the person was just like, they're just like, I'm shocked at what you have here, but. It's exclusive, I guess, to us because I'm talking about specifically the Smithtown location. Uncle Giuseppe's is there. It's in a big shopping center. And this place, Alpine Bakery, is down there. Everything at Alpine Bakery is better than everything at Uncle Giuseppe's, Mm -hmm. okay? The cannoli, all the pastries. It's just, you know, it's kind of like you would think to do a little bit of like reconnaissance there. And, you know, at a minimum, I would just go to the owner and just be like, you want to sell all your pastries inside our store here? Yeah, like but make they, a little bit different size. Yeah, but they they don't. I mean, yeah. they're using their own in-house 
bakery and, and stuff. Am I wrong about that? Or do you think I'm right about the difference? No, I think Alpine is far superior to yeah. Uncle Giuseppe's. And I get it. If you're grocery shopping and you want to like, oh, impulse buy, I'll buy this cannoli dip. That's that's one thing. But if you're going over to that area to get Italian pastries, go to I would go to Alpine. I mean, go to it's Alpine. just so much better. Um, I'm trying to get, I don't want to get too yeah, far off yeah, course. Yeah. We're trying to answer yeah, yeah. Elia's question. So, um, like I said, the Sfogliatelle is, is my favorite. The Cornetto is also good, but I, it's, it's, I've not found a Cornetto in the New York area. Um, some other, the, you said the St. Joseph's pastry, um, Italian, if they have Italian cheesecake, Italian cheesecake is great. I do not like a New York style cheesecake. I, I do. will never eat it. I love, love, love Italian cheesecake. I think it's one of the best things we ever. We have Italian cheesecake on the website. We don't have a New York cheesecake yet. Yeah. New York cheesecake is much, is, is dense. An Italian cheesecake is light. Mm-hmm. Because one's made with Philadelphia cream cheese and the other one is made with regatta. Yeah. I love cannoli. Cannoli are, are wonderful. Um, and then there's like the Italian cookies. If they have Reginelle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are wonderful. Just um, not the butter cookies. We Yeah, we don't really, <laughs> we don't really love the Not a fan of those butter Italian cookies. butter cookies. Elia, you can find a lot about a bakery by their cannoli. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's kind of a test. So the shells should be they should be filled on site when you're there, when you order them. They shouldn't be filled already. Really packed places, good places can get away with filling them because they're moving so much inventory. But otherwise, if it's a regular bakery, they should be filling filling them for you on site. They should have been fried that day or a couple, you know, maybe a couple days in advance. And, um, you know, powdered sugar and, you know, depending on the bakery, they'll all do them a little differently with what mm-hmm. they what they put in it. You know what they don't do anymore? I haven't seen them. When I was a kid, I always remember the cannoli would have green sprinkles. The green sprinkles. But they don't see that anymore. The it's green, like now it's only chocolate chips. It's funny. The green sprinkles and then the green peanuts. A lot of Italian bakeries will do this. They will dye peanuts green mm-hmm. to make them look like pistachios. So if you ever have a peanut allergy, make sure yeah, about we, that. We learned that the hard we way. We learned that the hard way, actually, at, don't say, at don't that say. place that we like. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, that's fine. I mean, you know, yeah. everything was fine. You know, everything was fine that day. But, you know, um, that's um, that, that's a common. That was in a lobster tail that they put those in. Mm-hmm. So a lobster tail, I believe, is a large. It's similar to a Sully but yeah. it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that answers your question. I hope so. Okay, and then the other question comes from Bob or Uncle Bob. I'm going to, uh, he left a video question, so you'll see it at the bottom of the screen here. On Discord, you talked about you were uh, so happy that you left the corporate world and would never want to go back to it. Well, since Tara has now joined you full time and given up her position in the corporate world, I was just wondering how has that affected you as far as uh, your interaction with society and the family dynamic. Oh, and one more thing. As a side note, um, I've never had a snickerdoodle until this morning. I made your recipe this morning, and oh, mama, where have these been my whole life? They are just fantastic. You guys take care. Bye. 
Oh, well, thanks, Bob. Um, I'm glad you like the snickerdoodle. I mean, and you you feel the same way I do. Tara's not as much of a fan of them, but yeah, when I had one, I was like, oh, God, like, this is amazing. I'm going to let Tara answer this part of this question first, then I'll answer my part. Tara? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. So thanks for the question, Uncle Bob. And thanks for your emails. They always make me smile. Um, so yeah, I was in the corporate world for 22 years. Um, leaving that world has been, I would say, life-changing for me um, for several reasons. One of them, you know, I during that time, I had a, a lot of anxiety, not just around um, the work stuff, like having to present or, or things like that, um, having to travel. But I don't know if I ever even mentioned this on the podcast before, but, you know, I was an eyewitness just blocks away from the World Trade Center on 9-11. So having lived through that experience gave me a great deal of anxiety when it came to leaving the house every morning. I'd leave the house every morning, kiss my kids goodbye and wonder what was going to happen. Um, wonder if I was ever going to see them again. So I would, you know, even years later, these thoughts would go through my mind. It's just something that I think sticks with you when you, when you are part of something like that. Um, so I no longer, you know, have those types of fears. I've have other types of anxiety that come with being a 45 year old mother. Um, but I really enjoy the freedom and flexibility of working for ourselves. Um, I don't have to sit in meetings like much of the, when I left the corporate world, much of my day was consumed by meetings, sometimes back to back meetings where I really didn't even have time to get up and go to the bathroom, which was that wasn't fun. Um, so I like having the freedom. We probably do. I probably do more work now for Sip and Feast, but I can work smarter. I can work at whenever it's convenient for me. Um, I can take time and go to my kids' sporting events. I can do what I've been doing lately. I've been volunteering and working, you know, about two hours a week in James's middle school, uh, school store. So I have the ability to do these things. I also no longer suffer from what's called the Sunday blues. I just don't feel that anymore. Um, I wish, of course, I could have had this flexibility when the kids were, were little. I feel like I missed out on, on many things. So yeah, there's certainly regret there, but where they are at this point in their lives at, you know, 15 and, and 12, I think they need me more now almost than, than they did when they were little. So how does that interact? And it affects our interactions with society. I, I, for me, I don't really feel too affected by yeah. it. I mean, I, I get out enough. I mean, I literally live in the grocery store. I mean, I'm. <laughs> we need an assistant for that. That's, I'm in the, Tara, I, you know, talk about valuing your time. Tara yeah. shouldn't be, uh, she shouldn't be doing that. I'm in the grocery store often. Jim will usually film, you know, two videos a week. We'll also shoot 
anywhere from two to four recipes a week. So I'm often in the grocery store anywhere from four to five times a week. Sometimes it's multiple grocery stores. So I get out that way. I am able to get out and I practice yoga once a week. I'm able to do things like that too. Like I bring up the yoga thing. I'm able to do that um, and feel guilt free about it. I think when I used to do things for myself when I worked in the corporate world and I was away and not home, I would experience a lot of guilt if I would do something for myself. And I'm just being really candid here. I mean, like this is stuff I should be hashing out with a therapist, but um, I felt a lot of guilt for doing things for me when I was spending so much time away from my family for work. So I don't know if that does, do you think that answers? I think it was good. Question? I mean, I think you need to get that, get stuff like that out more. Yeah. I mean, people yeah. have heard more about my, my thing, but yeah, I'll just say simply, Bob, I wasn't in the, like the quote unquote corporate world the way Tara was, you know, I traded the stock market for 14 years, but that was for a proprietary trading firm. So you, you were always kind of on your own, even though it was, you know, within a company, um, it was a few, few different companies, like the company kept getting bought out and, um, for anybody who doesn't know what proprietary trading is, it can be whether it's stocks, futures, options. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure they have firms now with Bitcoin that people trade, but I did that for a long time, 14 years. I, I was successful at it. I had a lot of success. Um, I didn't feel that I was doing anything for society. I've mentioned this in the past. I do feel that I do a lot more for society now. So I guess if you say my interactions with society are probably not in a personal sense, you know, because I am home most of the time, but they are, you know, I kind of spreading my wings a little bit on the internet. And, you know, I do feel like that I provide a somewhat useful service here. I mean, we always say like we try to do, uh, valuetainment. So we give value in our recipe videos. And that's why I like YouTube and not TikTok, you know? And and then, and by the way, that's borne out. That's not just my opinion. It's a lot of other people's opinions too. And, you know, I'll see it all the time on Reddit, that one that I, you know, that platform I just read on that a lot of people always say, like, I watched a video. I didn't learn. I couldn't figure it out. And people are like, you, you, that's because you watched a TikTok video. They're like, go watch this person on YouTube and rarely is our name mentioned, but, um, you know, it'll be somebody else who's like a cooking channel. And so I do think that YouTubers that like us and other channels provide some value. We try to provide the value in the recipes. And again, this is all how we interact, I guess, with society. I mean, in the end, when I'm gone, if I stop doing this, people will forget about us very quickly. So like we take no, I take no, um, there's no satisfaction and like there's nothing like you're you're only as good as your last video essentially like your last piece of content and uh people will move on very quickly from you. So, you know, we try to put out a valuable service. We that's our interaction and you know, th there are there are a lot of people that think that we're doing a you know, a decent job at it. I don't know um as far as society as a whole here, you know, I don't get out that much. I mean, I think our neighbors know what, what we do though, right, Tower? You know, I would, yeah, I, would think. I think yeah. they know. I mean, yeah, you don't get out much. I'm the one, I'm like the opposite. I'm always, I'm always out. <laughs> yeah. I, I try not to talk about what I do when I meet people outside because that's often always what they want to do. They always want to ask me. And I think a lot of them want to know like, oh, how much money do you make or, or whatnot? And 
I just never try to steer the conversation that way. I always try to just say, oh, yeah, we do fine. You know, like we do okay. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's anything good about, about doing that. So I try to not, not, not discuss that. I think we're kind of like a unicorn in our immediate circle because nobody really does what we do. Although interestingly enough, our old neighbor, they've since moved to yeah. South Carolina. The person that lived diagonally across from us was an Instagram influencer. Yeah, she, she was had like, like 320,000 <laughs> She was an influencer. Like, what, yeah. you know, like when you think of an influencer, like she would go yeah. to Target and try on clothes and then like film herself and then like get people to buy the yeah. clothes yeah. and get, earn money from affiliate yeah, links. She earns money through um, Like to Know It is the, the yeah. app that a lot of these, yeah. these listen, influencers do. But it's funny that we lived across the <laughs> Yeah, she, across it's the crazy. From each I other. mean, like right across the street. I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not, like casting, I'm not throwing shade as young people would say on her at all. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm just saying that like, yeah, she was the definition of an influencer. I, we're not influencers. I'm not influencing anybody. All right. Like <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not an influencer. I, I like that shirt. I should, that should be my merch. I am not an influencer because I'm not an influencer. I just try to be an instructor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But you have to acknowledge that you because of your platform, more so on YouTube than any other, because it's the largest platform, you do, you are in a position to influence people. People want to use your burner that, that you use. They want to ask what knife you're using. They want to know. Yeah, so well, you are in a position to influence, but I know though. you, I, I know, and I, I know you don't see yourself as that. And, and we don't influence. And that's why whenever, that's why I don't put that burner on I don't put it in my shop. I don't put it on an affiliate link. I don't do it because I don't want you to get hurt with it. All right. I, I don't. Yeah. You so, only use the burner to fake, to fake, to fake, yeah, to, to make <laughs> a fake only, cooking video. You only use <laughs> the burner to film videos and for your overhead pictures. Exactly. Precisely. You're, when you're cooking in our, regular kitchen, not in our filming kitchen, you're using the regular stove. That's right. I mean, it's only to film Let me and ask photograph. You. You know, that listen, is it. If you made it to the end of this episode, I would love to know what you think. What are your thoughts on the cooking people like me who are pushing the products and are trying to influence you? What do you think about the ones who are selling their rosemary salts? or their knives with their names on it, or their spice blend. We don't do any of that. How do I feel about that? You can kind of infer how I feel about that. But what are your thoughts on that? I think if you found a knife that you thought was worthy, you would put your name on it in a heartbeat, right? I, yeah, I mean, but it would be it would be a process. I mean, what of I course, don't- Of course, you're not just gonna be like, look, oh, yeah, this What one. I don't wanna do is what- the, the the model that they follow is they get they get a large batch made in a cheap Chinese factory and they put their logo on it mm -hmm. and they sell it for a huge profit. Yeah. That that is something yeah. I don't want to engage in. Yeah. I'd feel better getting a Wustoff or a Henkel knife that costs ninety dollars. Maybe I get it for seventy from them if I buy five thousand of them 
and then I mark it up with my logo to 100. I mean, it would I'd barely make any money on it after shipping, but yeah. I would feel better You'd about feel better. giving, you know, offering a superior yeah. product. Yeah. That that's kind of where I'm at with it. That's why we don't do it yet. Does it mean we won't? Maybe we'll have a sip and feast salt box. That sounds like a good one. Yeah. You know, or, or or something like that. Maybe in the future. The one that I want to push the most to you and influence you with to buy is our cookbook. And that's the one. And we spoke about this in the most recent Patreon episode. It um I did recent, it was like just a few days ago, uh, we did a whole entire uh, housekeeping on that book. Let you know, summarizing quickly now, we're not sure where we're at with it, okay? That's that's kind of it. I gave more information on the Patreon. If you didn't subscribe to the Patreon, listen, you should. It's more podcasts, more videos there. We're actually gonna put out the olive oil taste test on the Patreon mm -hmm. too, and that's coming out soon. So thank you for your questions. Please continue to send them our way to podcast at sipandfeast.com. We appreciate it. And anything else to add? That's it. Thanks for closing oh, this one out. And you can continue to send the questions in video or audio form. We yeah. love those. Video or audio form is great. I, I, I like them. It uh, makes it a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Thank you. We'll see you next time.